This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is brought to you by our friends at Mud Gear. We have an awesome new partnership to tell you about, and we love Mud Gear because they're made tougher, just like you guys. It's outdoor gear for the outdoor athlete. You can get it dirty, you can sweat in it, it's all good. Great shirts, great shorts, awesome socks. They've got a bunch of different kinds of socks. They've got full knee-high socks for compression. They've got running socks. They've got mountain biking socks. They've got rucking socks. It's all good. Go pick it up today. It's made tougher. It's Mud Gear, and it's 15% off at mudgear.com using the code PUT6. Go get after it. Pick up some of their stuff and help support a great company that we love to partner with. The fate of the game could be in the balance, and without you, the play never starts. That's the life of a football long snapper. Our guest today has trained some of the best, and he's helped develop over 1,000 high school and junior college snappers, sending many to play in college football and then on to the pros. We're putting the pads on with Chris Rubio on this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Huge thanks again to our friends at Mudgear for sponsoring the show. And a shout out to my friends at Laser Llama for the Pick Up the Six lids. Uh, it is 13 minutes till kickoff for the USA and Iran. We recorded this on Tuesday. We'll release it tomorrow morning. So I'm rocking the red, white, and blue Pick Up the Six hat today for my friends at Laser Llama because we got to support the Yanks. Win or go home, man, in the World Cup. So, uh Anyways, thanks to those guys. Love what they're doing. They sent me an amazing gift last week out of nowhere. Laser Llama sent me an awesome new wood panel pick up the six hat. Uh, it's back there over my shoulder. It's almost too good to wear. And that's why it's over there. Go check them out, though. They'll hook you up. Uh, they're great. Uh, great customer service. Absolutely love them. All right, let's get to the show. I got my man Chris Rubio on from the Rubio Method. Welcome, brother, to the show. Good to have you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Are you a hat guy? I am not. I'm, I have an overly large head, and I'm one of those guys that I look good in a beanie, okay. and my head's always cold, so I'm a beanie guy, but then I get a hat, and I kind of look like I'm either sporting a yarmulke or like a hot dog on a stick guy at the mall, <laughs> so I don't really roll with the hats too much. I got you. Are you you're a Southern California beanie guy. That, like you wear I'm, a Southern, yeah, I'm a Southern California beanie guy that never wore a beanie in Southern California that moved up to Central and Northern Idaho that I wear them all the time now. Wow. You have to. Yeah. You have, have no choice. For those of you None. watching uh, on our YouTube channel uh, and also uh, with our friends at NGBN.TV, you can see Chris. He's got that patented yellow sweatshirt. If you follow the Rubio method, if you watch and listen to his podcast, it, uh, you know it well. And my friend, it's great to have you, man. We got connected through this world of Ian Hill and this idea that we're going to be creating content for men in their you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. To, to give guys a place, right? And really the not the not so secret secret is that we're really trying to tackle men's mental health, man. Too many 100%. men, right? Get isolated or taking their own lives. And so, man, just kudos to Ian, everybody at NGBN.TV. That's how you and I got connected. You're doing great stuff over there. So man, just first and foremost, just thoughts on the platform and, and what we're doing over there. I think it's an amazing concept. It's one of those things that it's kind of like the widget where you look back and you're like, how did someone else not do this? And if they right. did do it, they didn't do it well enough to where everyone knew about it. And the best part about the NGBN network, which I've said before, is that I always can 
use it basically like a salad, like a metaphor, and that everyone's different within the salad. So you've got Ian Hill, you've got Brian Jodas, you've got me, you've got Charles Watley, you've got Chris Brentley, Bentley, you've got Chris Fontana, you've got Rude. I'm not going to say your last name because I can't. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that everyone kind of adds something different, where if you need more fluffy type thing, you're going to go maybe towards this person. If you want someone who's a little bit more in your face, you're going to go towards you and me. And that's okay, because not yeah. everyone's going to lean towards you and I, and not everyone's going to lead towards fluffy. And I think that's the big, big thing that's going to help everyone work on it. Yeah, for sure. We're excited to have a home there and just create more content there. And again, the mission of having a place like that, uh, I just think is, is critically important because I think it'll give guys a chance for community and a chance, like you said, to consume a lot of different content and material that they might be into, whether it's fitness, whether it's the stories we're sharing, right. Whether it's approach to entrepreneurship, right. Mm -hmm. Approach to your marriage or your relationships. There's going to be a lot of that content there. So just continue to stay tuned, right. Watch what we're doing. Go to NGBN.tv, check it all out. See what we're doing there. I'm just excited that we get a chance to do that and, and have a little dialogue to hear your story, right. Talk about what you you've been up to. Cause you've got a really cool background, something that the very first time we're on a meeting, I'm like, Oh, I'm drawn to this guy just because of a background in football. And so Chris guys is legit like the number one authority on deep snapping, long snapping, right? Snappers in the game of football. That guy who stands there with his legs wide open with a football between them. That is part of pretty much some of the most critical moments in a game. When did you start playing football, Rubio? When, when did that love of football happen for you? Uh, the love of football, I, I'm still waiting on it. Uh, I, because I, I'm one of those guys that I don't watch a lot of football games. I, I record a lot of games on DVR, TiVo, whatever the hell you call it these days. Mm -hmm. And I watch fourth downs because I want to see how my guys do. But yeah. the, the only real game I watch is my, I have one son that plays at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and I have one that plays at WSU, Washington State. Mm -hmm. And then I watch the Seahawks. Those are the only games I really watch. Um, I started playing football when I was really young, obviously, probably I was a big kid. My uncle was the head varsity coach. My cousin was the offensive coordinator. And I grew up playing flag football because in California, you weren't, everything was done by weight and not hmm. age. Hmm. So if you were a hundred pounder, you played with a hundred pounders. Gotcha. If you were 150 sure. pounder in third grade, which I was, I think I was even more than that. They said, okay, you can play. So I wanted to play tackle and my mom went to register me and they said, yeah, you could play in third grade, but you're going to be playing with eighth graders. Whoa. And I, yeah, I looked up puppy dog eyes and looked at my mom and said, I'm not doing this. You know, an eight-year-old compared to a 14-year-old sure, is a sure, huge difference. Sure, sure. So I ended up playing flag football growing up because it was, there was no weight limit and you could just be as fat as you want, basically. And I was, I was the quarterback. I was the biggest, strongest kid who could throw the ball the farthest. Right. Minute. So just give it, Rubio it like, the ball and just was, let him go. Oh, it was shotgun set hike, boom. And I'm throwing it, right. you know, a quarter mile, which is like 10 yards. Right. But back then. Um, and I did that all the way into eighth grade. I was never even allowed to play by the time I was in fifth grade, I was way off the weight limit chart. So that was a nice try. I could have been a coach, I guess at that point. Um, so my freshman year, you know, in high school, you're allowed to be any way you want. And so I went out for football then, and I absolutely hated it. I, I could not stand it. It was the first time putting on pads. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. The coach goes, okay, Rubio, what position you want to play? And I said, well, obviously I want to be quarterback. He goes, Rubio. And I was probably six foot, maybe at the time, 250, 260. He goes, you'll never touch a football again a day in your life. And ironically, I touch one pretty much every single yeah. day with my yeah. job. Right. And I, I was fourth string everything. I didn't like the contact, didn't know how to put on the pads. It was just a miserable, miserable experience. My sophomore year, I didn't even play football. I hated it so much. And then my junior year, I kind of grew into my body a little bit and mm -hmm. messed around with uh, one of my friends just playing catch in the front yard at his house during the spring of my sophomore year. And he bent over to snap a ball. 
a long snap. And it was the first time I'd ever seen someone snap a ball. Cause I, who the hell pays attention to the damn long right. snapper? No sure. one, sure. except unless you're a long snapper or girlfriend or parent of a long snapper, no one cares. And I go, what the hell is that? And he said, it's, it's a long snap. I go, do it again. So he did it again. I go, I can do that. I just basically, and what I always tell my snappers now, you're just an upside down quarterback going the wrong way. And so I got down one handed boom, and just threw it. And he goes, Oh my God, you're really, really good at it. Okay. Who cares? Didn't even think about it. Kind of practiced it. Cause it was something I could do. My junior year ended up going out, made the team. They said, who can long snap? And I, I literally legit forgot what it was called. Right. Cause I was just, I was just like, okay, we're sta- yeah. I'm standing on the sideline and, and, and back in the day when we were standing on the sideline toes on the line hands behind your back no one talking it was like just thank god i'm not oh, yeah. running at this point i'm happy oh, yeah. and so big old hip coach, pads sticking out oh like, god yeah the big old leg hip pads, pads that were three inches you always felt like you had a dump in your pants because of the spine <laughs> or whatever the tailbone pad yeah, the tailbone pad like these guys oh, have no the, idea the, like the, now the, like... so just terrible non-breathing 80s polyester oh, yeah. pants oh, yeah. and the big just dirty jersey Could you <laughs> my imagine uncle was having the... having could you imagine having had all the like we're gonna sound like old dudes, but all the like <laughs> under armor, like we were wearing cotton t-shirts under our shoulder pads. Like, oh yeah, oh, that was standard. It. Standard. Right, and, and you know, everyone had the bigger jersey and the monster LT face mask where it was just coming down to here. You look great, but yeah. you couldn't follow through. You couldn't right. see what the hell was happening. Right. Pads were so big. And I ended up uh you can doing see well over my shoulder. Snap. That's the Lomas Brown face mask back there, right? See oh, yeah. that all oh, out, right? Have, it's like that style. When I have lessons all the time, I have my old UCLA. Oh, there it is, my UCLA helmet right, right there. And I, I bring the kids and I show up and they're like, they're, why is it so heavy? And I go, because this is when men played football, damn it. Right. None right. of this like cocoon on your head that's like this, the weight of a marshmallow. Right. All right. So you so you get to that point, right? And they're like, who can long snap? Does your buddy have to like, hey, you can. Remember? Oh, like, he, he literally does. He hits me like one of these. And he's like, that's what you, Rubio, you can do that. And, I go, oh, and then I raise my hand like an idiot. I go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And they're like, what do you mean? And my uncle was head coach. He goes, Rubio, you can do that? And I go, yeah, that's the one thing that I can do because the rest I'm pretty much worthless at. So I get down. He's like, let me see. Let me see. And I snap it. And he's like, holy Jesus, you're really good. And I said, okay, who didn't even think about it? Right. Ended up snapping just one-handed, okay, with my junior and senior year. And I was big and I had good grades. And that was back when men were men again. And the long snapper used to be able to, you has to used to be able to line up on them and get hit. Yeah, you still so you were had able to, to be hit a right. big, right. thick human being. And so my started to get recruited, got recruited to Cal, UCLA, USC, Columbia, and Pitts, their small school, uh, academic school out in California. Ended up choosing UCLA because I always wanted to go there. And I was basically the only one they brought in, I think like eight walk-on long snappers that year. The only one that made the team because I was just young enough and dumb enough to not even worry about it. Get down there snapping. And it was like the movies where you had Darren Shager. I remember he was the punter. And you had coach Bob Fields, the assistant head coach. And then you had Terry Donahue right here. And they're like, okay, go ahead, snap. And I was the only one that was like, oh, I, thinking back, I should have been, oh my God, pissing myself how nervous right, I should have right. been. This is a big but deal. you're young, you're 18, you're an idiot. You just do what you got to do. I snapped the ball and they're like, okay, congratulations, Rubio. You made the team. You have one week to learn how to do two-handed snap. So that's what I was going to say. At what point do you go from the upside down quarterback method to right the actual way in which you've got to grip the football and snap it? One week right then. Wow. And they're like, you have to learn. I go, uh, 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 I don't know how. And they said, well, if you don't learn, we'll just cut you. Like, okay. Oh, shoot. Pretty okay, bo- well, yeah. yeah. So I literally just watched the senior long snapper and I just watched him. I followed him around. He must have thought I was the biggest weirdo in the world because I was just, you know, he was like a 23-year-old kid. Not a kid. He was a man. I was an 18-year-old chubby little kid. And I'm just watching him, watching him. Too shy to say anything. Yeah. And yeah. I'm looking the way he's doing it. And I'm like, yeah. 
I can do this. I just have to be able to figure it out. And that's one of the ways that I became so solid with teaching it is because I had to teach myself. Sure. I didn't have anyone teach me. So it's sure. like, okay, I had to learn how to shoot the basketball. No one should, said, put your hand here. And the rest is kind of history, as they say. Yeah, it's wild, man. I, I uh, Funny story, right? And I told this to Nate Boyer when we had him on the show, you know, probably almost a year ago at this point. You guys remember Nate, uh, incredible guy, right? Did amazing stuff in the military, then goes to college mm-hmm. at the University of Texas, like pretty big football school, walks yeah. on, right? Perfects the deep snapping thing. I know he's been to your camps. You've had a chance to meet him before. I mean, great dude, like such a good guy. So great I told guy. him this story, like, you know, so I had played soccer as a kid growing up because I went to a small Catholic school. We just didn't have football, like grammar school football where I was at wasn't really a thing. And we all kind of played soccer, but I always wanted to play football. My dad had played football. Like I was playing football when I got to high school and like you, I was, I'm a lot shorter than you are, but I was around kid. And so I'm going to be playing <laughs> offensive line. Like th- that was it. I, I, I like to think I was an option quarterback stuck in a short offensive lineman's body, but you know, neither here nor there. So I was playing center. <laughs> so obviously on the freshman football team, the kid that's going to deep snap, we'll just have the center deep snap. But as you know, it's totally different, right? Like mm-hmm. we weren't running shotgun plays. Everything was just going right up the middle. Like that was it. So obviously the very first game of the year, the very first deep snap of my career, where do you think that <laughs> he launched it, launched it? I mean, flying <laughs> over the punter's head. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so my deep snapping career wasn't very long there. Eh, it happens. Obviously. <laughs> I, you know, it's also funny too. Like, and we've had a chance to chat before, but like, man, this is going to be great. He's going to talk about his love for football. The first thing he said was, yeah, I hated it. Uh, but you kind I, of I, overcame it. And then it becomes a big part of you, right? It, it's so funny because everyone's like, oh my God, you must love football. You must watch it all the time. And I really don't. I, I don't. It's, I used to, I'm going to say, you and I are, this going to be the old man podcast because I'm going to sound like sure. an old man again right now. I used to love basketball. I used to love, because growing up in LA, you had Showtime, Magic Johnson, you know, Kareem, all those guys. And then you had Shaq and Kobe. Um, and it was one of those things that I grew up watching a lot of Showtime Lakers and I loved it. But now I, I, the old man here, the old man podcast is I look at it now and it's like, God, that's a travel. That's a double dribble. That's a right. carrying over. That, right. That's such not a foul. My Nobody God, plays let defense. Play. They take 18 games, 20, 30 games off a year. Like, what? yeah, no, it's so, I just can't do it. But I used to like how basketball was more fast paced. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something happening on both ends, offense sure. and defense, not anymore. Sure. But that's, that's the thing with football. And the more you and your guys are in the game likely the worst that if they're punting a bunch they're not doing so great yeah uh, and, and that's one of the one of the things i always tell my long steppers like the kids that specifically they'll mom or dad will email and say my kid's school's terrible or he's going to go to jc and they're terrible I go, that's great i go yeah. that's more op- opportunities that's more uh, you know mm. auditions so to speak you sure. want your high school team to be terrible because you're going to have to be able to get more punt film you know, when you get to college and all that stuff, okay, obviously you want to win and rings and all that crap, but it's one of those things that the, the, the worse they are, the better for you. Yeah. What was your journey from right. Collegiately snapping to at what point uh, did you think, man, may, I got something here. I'm pretty good at this here because it's become a, a huge career for you. I mean, you've trained thousands mm-hmm. of snappers, right? You've sent uh man, thousands of kids, to college to snap kids off to the pros that have been through your program. So what's the genesis of that from just snapping in college to it really becoming, man, like what you're doing. It was, I I snapped. I was 
on scholarship my sophomore, junior, and senior year. My, my junior year, I hurt my back really, really bad. And it was one of those where I, I guarantee it was literally just from one of those, you know, they were lining up on you every play and they would big, get the biggest, angriest human being to try to destroy you. And so you're snapping the ball and someone's hitting you before you even move. Yeah, sure. So I crushed my L1, L2, L3 disc and my L4 and L5 mm-hmm. were slipping out and hitting the nerve. So that was fun. But I ended up playing my senior year, which was really entertaining because I was a, about that point, about 290. Mm. And they put me in basically like a men's medium wetsuit to try to hold everything in. And Jesus, good God, was I an ugly man at that point. I mean, that's something that even dressing, I was like, I, I can't get dressed next to a mirror because I don't even want to see myself right now. You have to and, go back and look for some old photos. Of that oh, God, you don't want to do it, man. Head. You don't yeah. want to do it. And um, so my senior year I played and it was one of those, I had a chance to go pro and I said, you know what? I, I, I'm At some point, I'm going to have some kids. I'd like to be able to pick them up. So I said, I'm done with football. I went. I went to become a sixth grade history teacher and loved it. I thought it was great. It was actually the same school that I was, I went to school when I was in sixth grade. Um, and then about two, well, no, four years into it, I was doing teaching, had a great time, loved it. And my buddy, Chris Saylor, S-A-I-L-E-R ran Chris Saylor kicking. He goes, I need, I'm running a Vegas camp. I need someone to basically facilitate the long snappers. Mm. Just watch them, babysit them. It's like, I don't know. I, we kind of went back and forth and he says, Ruby, I'll just pay for your food, your flight and your hotel. I'm like, I'm in, let's go. Sure. Yeah. And so went and kind of right then he said, you should do this. Cause after the whole weekend, it was like, you could see that I, I had a little knack for it. I said, do what? And he's all start long stepping lessons. He goes, you have a personality. You obviously know what the hell you're doing. You played for a big time program at UCLA. He goes, why don't you start? Who the hell's going to pay for this man? And that was 17, almost 18 years ago. And now, like you said, I've had over, it's got to be over 1500 now, mm-hmm. a long snipers in college this year in the NFL, I have one third of the 32. Nice. Um, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, right around, let's say 17, 18 years ago, that's when it started to pick up. And then I would say probably four years after that is when it started to really get moving. Yeah. That's when I had to stop teaching. I just, after eight years of teaching, I couldn't do both. It was just impossible. You know, a friend of mine, we're chatting this morning. I said, yeah, I'm having this guy on super cool dude. He, he's done all this long snapping and putting academy around. He goes, that's the position. Like <laughs> families should be raising their sons. To, to play that position, there, there's scholarships all over the country. Maybe the, the, the reason for those high numbers, obviously you're great at what you do, but th- there's so many programs in which they're going to need a kid to be able to fill that role. How have you seen that position change over time? Right. It, it's it's it, a no brainer right now. Yeah. It's a no brainer right now, especially if you're one of those, Oh my God, I don't want my kid to get hurt concussion type of people because they can't line up on the long snapper anymore. They changed that. I think my junior or senior in college, it was the best mm-hmm. damn rule ever. Mm-hmm. They can't line up on the long snapper anymore and they can't hit him until he gets a count of one. So you snap and the count of a thousand one, then they can hit you. But by that time, you either you're get up. the hell out of there or you're blocking. Yeah. You got to have your head up unless right. you're an idiot. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's a perfect position for someone who's a little bit, say, afraid and you don't have to be super super athletic now obviously if you are athletic it's going to help but i can't tell you how many i mean the one of my first real success story was a kid named christian yount graduated in 2006 out in the orange county area and his dad contacted me basically just looking to get his son a spot on the bus because he was basically he was a like a second or third string d lineman didn't know what the hell he was doing uh but it was a kid who was willing to work his dad was a military guy so he was a yes sir no sir and you could i could tell him i need you to run your head through that thumbtack in into the wall twice while standing in ice he'd be like okay sounds like a plan (laughs) and he was my first long snapper ever to get a scholarship offer his junior year in high school and that was unheard of everyone was like wow 
what in the hell? You're offering a long snapper, number one, and you're offering a long snapper his junior year in high school? Like, he hasn't even played his senior year, and he was the best. So it was like, yeah, let's do it. And so it's really moved from that where it just the, the momentum really started going to now more and more people are starting to realize that, okay, I don't have to be the world's greatest athlete, the world's largest human being to do this position and I can do it well and I get school school paid for. I could be maybe a decent linebacker mm -hmm. or a defensive mm -hmm. end or wide receiver, mm -hmm. which I may get like a D3, you know, NAI kind of deal, or I could just focus on long snapping and I can get a division one long snap uh, scholarship. And it just, it's helped out a lot. And more and more parents, not to keep rambling, are no, getting used to it because more and more I see younger kids at camps. Where before it was always, you know, like 15, 16, 17, right around there. Oh, we found this guy. Let's kind of use it. Oh, this is good. And then at the very end, it's, God, I wish I would have found you earlier. And now it's not uncommon for me to have six, seventh graders, even younger, where someone will read an article, someone will watch a podcast and go, hey, look at Johnny. He's not the greatest athlete, but, you know, he can throw the ball and he's a little bit flexible and he's got some decent size. Why don't we try long seven? Why don't we get him to a Rubio camp? And they start to realize, okay, we can do this. This is something that you were talking like 30 minutes, three times a week, mm -hmm. and you're fine. You know, mm -hmm. we're not laying brick. It's not super, super hard, but just getting down the form of it all. So you get younger, younger kids. And it's actually really smart. The, the 10, 11, 12 year olds, those are the best because as soon as I work on their form and get their form down, then puberty hits. So it's like I'm building a car but yeah, with no engine. But they got that muscle and memory they can grow into. They got into the it. muscle memory. And then as yeah. soon as their puberty hits, that's the engine. You drop it in, boom, there goes your car. And mm. those kids end up dominating. I, I, 2019, I had three kids get full scholarships, D1, uh, all my number one, my number two, my number three. And they all started working with me when they were nine years old. Yeah. And they started those good habits and that mm. good form then. Yeah. And then they grow into it. Yeah, that's right? all it is. Versus trying to learn it later. Uh it is such a, uh, it's such a skilled position. Obviously there are physical, you know, intangibles that you need, right? The physical mm -hmm. gifts. How much do you talk to your kids about the mental capacity of which playing a position like that, where there is incredible stress in the game, game winning field goals pinned inside your own end zone. How much are you guys talking about mental to go with the physical in a position like that? All the time. But the number one thing I rank a kid on is mentality, how well mm -hmm. they handle pressure, because you could be the world's greatest long snapper in Lewiston, Idaho, a population 30,000. But what happens when you play at, you know, the big house in Michigan and there's 108,000 because yeah. there's so many kids that I've seen that can do really, really well at, at home or at a camp or something like that. And then you, you get them under a little bit of pressure. You can see they're not going to be able to do it. And it's I, the, when a kid comes to the camp the first time, it's just, Hey, fluff, ha ha ha. We're having a good time. The more and more I see them come back and the more and more I see, okay, Brian is a stud. There's no doubt. He's got the potential to go to college. I'll start going at him a little bit more, like start trying to get into his mm, head, talk I about his you. girlfriend, yep. talk about his family, do whatever. Yep. And I, the parents know this at this point, because if he can't handle me coming at him, what's he going to do when there's a 350 pound Samoan going to rip his head off? Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that you have to be able to learn. And it goes both ways where Ryan Lang is one of the best cases I ever had. He was the long snapper for the chargers last year. Uh, he ended up going to Georgia Southern before that on full scholarship. He was playing six man football in Nebraska. I, I didn't even know six man football was even a thing. I was literally Googling yeah, I've seen eight man in, eight yeah, man I in saw Texas, eight right? man, obviously yeah. 11 and yeah. six man is just basically sandlot. And right. he, um, his, he ended up, so I think the biggest crowd he ever snapped to was like 25 people and four goats in high school. And he ended up, his first game was at Georgia Southern versus Auburn. 
in front of a hundred thousand people. And I remember being on the phone. Uh, it was like a zoom pre zoom meeting mm-hmm. with the entire Georgia Southern staff of the like, Ruby. I think you could do it. And I go, he's got the right demeanor. He's got the right personality. And that's the thing with long snappers. You have to have that right personality. Cause you could be the greatest athlete in the world, you know? And it's one of those, if you don't have that certain personality, whatever it mm-hmm. is to fit you and the position, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. It's always the kicker's fault, right? Oh, you well, number one, you don't get enough t- credit as a long snapper. You'll never see a game-winning Bro. kick without a game-winning snap, number one. Not. And that, that was the one reason that I actually do like Sailor as a kicker. He never blamed me, not that he could, because I was always snapping pearls right back to him. Sure. But if I said, like, where's the ball? He's like, oh, it's, it's right here. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then you see some guys that are like, oh, it was here. It should have been here. It's like, dude, just kick the ball. Just kick the ball. Get the yeah. laces out. Yeah, kick laces out, Dan. It laces out, Dan. Uh, I want to talk about our friend Ian Hill and this pursuit that he's on because it's connected to what you do. Before we do that, though, man, what have you just learned about yourself through the progression of growing this method, right? Growing this business, right? What, what, have, what's Rubio learned about himself throughout the process? Because you've taught a lot, but I know you've probably learned a lot too. The more I can be me, the better. Mm. Uh, you can't build your company or your business or yourself, your life trying to be someone you aren't or something you're not. And so the more I realized, okay, this is who I am. What you see is what you get. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. You can't please everybody. And it's one of those things that that's what I've learned through all my coaching. Cause there's other people that try to, you know, do there's there's specialized coaches, but if they don't have what's in here and in here and in here, it's not going to work. So the more and more I've realized that I, I, as my wife says, I'm an acquired taste, but it's one of those where, Either you like it or you don't. And if you don't, I'm not going to adjust for you. Sorry. I'm just not for you. And that's fine. Right. But I've got a proven way. So the more just basically, basically just be me. Yeah. Be you. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's what we refer to as the D2X doing what you were born to do for those you were born to serve. Like, and that's where you've got to be. I'm a believer. You know, I think there's always this notion, right? Like we got to get outside our comfort zone, which mm-hmm. by the way, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do hard stuff. We'll put ourselves in hard scenarios. Right. I do these overnight rucks. Like I'm not super comfortable the whole time we're doing these mm-hmm. things, the time we're training. But I also think like spending time inside your comfort zone means doing what you're really good at doing. So I yeah. think there's got to be a little bit of an embrace of it. I think there's a notion that like you got to get outside your comfort zone all the time. Like, uh, I don't know. Your comfort zone is doing what you do really good. Like get after it. 100%. And, and getting out of your comfort zone can teach you a lot of things. I, it's, to me, it's also like traveling, you know, not mm. not basketball traveling, but literally like yeah, traveling sure. the world where you get out of your comfort zone of, okay, I live in a town of 30,000 people in Lewis and Idaho. I want to go see other places. When I get out of my comfort zone to go on a plane and go see these other places, I will either continue to stay outside of my comfort zone or I will start to say, I kind of like this place. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should come back mm-hmm. and visit because it's I'm learning. And that that's okay as well. But I hundred percent agree. You could stay in your comfort zone, but it's also good. Let, let's try a couple of things because you might like jalapenos on your pizza and it's out of your comfort zone. But then once you try like, damn, this is good, spicy, good. salty. Let's yeah. let it rain here, daddy. <laughs> as long as you're not putting pineapple on it, I'm no, probably no, no, all right with you. No, right, no. Good. God. I knew, I knew we'd be all right here. What if <laughs> I told you a 57 year old man, 57, I think, right? Check the math on that is going to yeah. attempt to, become the oldest uh, human being to play college football and do it at the deep snapping position. What if I told you that was going to be a thing? <laughs> I would say you've been reading my emails because <laughs> about a year and a half ago, Ian called me or emailed me 
And I was reading this email. I think it came in like at 11 o'clock at night. And I was just kind of about to go to bed, but just kind of one last time looking through my emails. And I see this. Okay. I'm a 56. 50, he was 56 at the time. 56 year old trying to do this thing. And I'm like, what the hell? I thought it was one of my buddies messing with me. So I emailed him back. I go, this is a cool thing. I, I, I We need to talk on the phone. This, yeah. This I need not to make sure I'm this is email. real. Right. Yeah. We got to, I got to make sure you're a real human being, not one of my buddies being an idiot. And so he said, let's, okay, we'll set up a call. So the next day he called and you could tell he was motivated. Obviously he was doing it for the right reasons and it's, it's worked out really, really well. I was very apprehensive at first. Cause okay, this is a 57 year old dude. I mean, it's not exactly a spring chicken mm -hmm. and you gotta be, you don't have to be this Uber athlete, but you gotta be able to move and be flexible. And I, I you know, you, your normal 57 year old right now, you're thinking about the, you know, the insurance salesman coming home, drinking a Schlitz, nothing wrong with the Schlitz or insurance salesman, but you know, they're more, I'm thinking more Al Bundy in my mind, sure, sure. you know, married with children's plop down, just enjoying life. The, hero, get, the hero of Polk High? <laughs> yeah, Polk High. There it is. And it's one of those where, okay, it, he came up and did some lessons. It was great because it was the student, you had the student who wanted to, or was going to learn, but you had the adult, like the mom or dad who wanted their kid to learn more because they're paying for the camp. And that was the big thing with Ian is he had the, the drive of a student, but he had the mentality of the mom and dad mm, of, yeah, sure. I want to do this, but yeah, you're going to do this. Right. And so it was, it, he was very easy or still is easy to work with. Yeah. It's, it's an ongoing process. If you guys want to learn more about it, uh, you can just go to season to save a life, right? Find that website season to save a life. We'll include it here on the show page and you can follow along with Ian's journey. And this is a motivated guy who at, at one point held a record in, talking like for the longest amount of time, mm -hmm. but did it for a charity, like does it for, for purpose and intention behind it. And you heard that title season to save a life. It's not just a dude trying to make a college football team for the shit of it. it it's a guy trying to show men in that age bracket that you have worth, right? That you can do something that this epidemic of middle-aged male suicide can be wiped off the face of the earth. And this is a good way to show people that they can do that. So the why behind, obviously for me, makes it a big draw. What'd you think about it that way? Yeah. It's one of those, the, the more his whole thing is he goes, if I can save one life, if I can save one yeah. life, because right. and it's going to save more than one life because people are either going to listen to this. They're going to go to the website. They're going to go watch the Rubio method. They're going to find something on Ian and they're going to be like, dude, he's 57 years old and he's not a behemoth. He's not six foot five, two forty Greek God, nothing personal Ian, but he's, you know, he's like five, 10 to 30 to 40, whatever he is yeah. thick, strong, burly guy, sure. but he's out there doing this and he's still holding down like a normal quote unquote, normal job running NGBN. And if he can do it, well, maybe I can get off my ass and, you know, start to communicate with someone, or maybe I can start, you know, going to the gym, taking a walk, being a better husband, father, you know, something like that, just a better friend. And I think that's where the real motivation comes in. They're looking at this dude and go, are you serious? He's really doing this? And it's like, yeah, he's doing it and he's dedicated. Yep. Hey, who in the, in the long snapping game these days is doing it really well, right? Who do you, who are you pointing to as an example? In the pros college, what? Yeah. in the pros uh, pros, there's a lot of them right now there. I mean, there, there's one guy who's not on anyone's radar, but I'll, I'll talk about him a lot is Carson Tinker. He's one of those guys that's been on, he plays for the Seahawks right now. He's been on like eight teams in the past 10 years. He's good at filling holes. Basically he, you know, he played for a long time with Tampa Bay and there was Jacksonville. And then he, you know, he, they, like they all athletes do, they get cut or something like that, or they're moving money around. And then, you know, in, in the NFL, everyone's going to get injured at some point. So he's one of those guys that, Oh, someone gets injured week two. Guess who they'll call Tinker. I think he does a great job. I think Reed Ferguson out the bills, 
because just some, he's a good kid. He's not a kid. He's an adult. He's married. But sure. I was I was thinking my long time yeah, yeah, yeah. working with yeah, him. I got you. So if I work on it with a kid when he starts at 12, in my mind, he's always 12. And then I see them, they're, they're like real human beings with wives and kids and all that, you know, wife and kids and all that stuff. And it's just weird. And he plays in B Buffalo, which the weather is just so bad. And he just does, he's just so consistent all the time. Are those guys at that level, do they have other jobs, meaning not outside of football, but do they have other jobs during a practice, right? Are they running, you know, scout team, right? For the offense, playing back a blind back. But at, at, I mean, at the NFL level, they're solely focused on that one task. At, 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 at the collegiate level, are they doing other things? To, what is there a difference? At the at the at NFL on the highest collegiate level, absolutely not. They're they're like a hand model. They, let, let me see you model the watch. Let me okay. see you model the ring. I don't give a crap what your feet or your face look like. That's it. Do your um, job. And so it's their job. Mm -hmm. They have to be perfect. You know, eight to twelve to fifteen times a game. That's it. Don't bother them. Don't talk to them. Don't do anything. If you get to like the Division One AA, D two, D three, NAIA, JC, they might be a backup D end. They might be the guy that you know in scout team snaps the ball to the quarterback for forty five minutes, just shotgun snaps. Yep. But yeah, at the, at the upper level, no, their job is literally just sit, relax, do your job well. You have to stay conditioned on your own. You're a moron if you don't at that level because they're paying you. Um, and so if you need to do extra cardio, things like that, do what you got to do. But yeah, no, they're, they're, they're the hand models of the game. Before we go, tell me about a moment where you've just watched one of your guys and just, I mean, just super proud of them performing in maybe a tough, adverse kind of environment. Oh, um, there's so many, but I, I, yeah, I'd go back to Reed Ferguson. I think it was 2017 when they had that snow game where it was like, you couldn't even see the field. And he was in, you know, I, there had to been feet of snow at that point. Yeah. And there, there's, he posted certain pictures of it on his social media where it, 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 it looks fake. It looks like the, the damn, was it a, the Tauntauns and Star Wars? Yeah, sure. They're doing that snow sure. blizzard. That's and right. you know, this guy could have been They're, on, the they're on Hoth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, dude, this is not even normal. How are you doing this? And he still was just perfect. Um, it's one of those things uh, that would be the most impressive. I think right now I'm, I'm just more impressed with any one of the kids that the high school level that are not saying that the pros are not impressive. Obviously they are, but the high school level where you see a kid who's just not getting it at first and then it clicks yeah. and he has this epiphany and it's like, Oh, oh, now I know how to do it. And then they have some success where you got pulled to the varsity and Johnny snapped the game in front of, uh, you know, 400 people at the right. stadium and mom and dad were just so happy. It's like, that's cool. Because that's something where a kid normally wouldn't be able to get on the field, and now he is because he found his kind of niche position. Sweet. Hey, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you, man. Let them know more about the Rubio Method, your podcast. Give us an info dump. <laughs> well, it's corny as it is. You can just find me on all social media. You can Google me, uh, rubiolongsnapping.com, therubiomethod.com. Both have YouTube channels. Both have overflowing with social media. Uh, so those are the big ones, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, all those. Everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. He's Chris everywhere. Rubio. It's the Rubio method. The guy has just been pouring it out, man, for years, helping that next generation of long snapper. And he's become a friend and honestly, you, uh, a mentor in the space, just watching your grind and hustle and commitment to being yourself, putting out great content, doing it with consistency. It's motivating. And uh, I mean, I'm just grateful for it. Grateful for you. Ditto. And thank you very much, man. Absolutely. He's Chris Ruby. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.